Hi everyone, it's Dr. Kamari Valentine, clinical psychologist. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new, then thank you so much for listening and I hope you will find the material interesting and useful for your healing journey. If you've been listening for a while, then thank you so much for being part of my world. I'm recording at our dining room table and you might hear the dishwasher in the background. I'm so grateful for having a dishwasher. I can remember um, life way before dishwashers were a thing. So I'm I'm here. Um, I usually record in my nice quiet office, but I am just keeping a wee track of a few things, um, including that the the toddler has another round of ear infections. So. Um, hopefully, um, this term now that we're in summer, well, sorry, spring, spring here, um, hopefully we have fewer bugs around. Um, we had a really terrible term last year with the bugs. Um, yeah, so this, um, podcast I had in mind, uh, for today, which is uh, the day after Halloween. Happy Halloween, if that is something you celebrate. I'm not sure if we say happy Halloween, but um, but there you are. I hope uh, if it is something that you um, do, I hope it was fun for you and uh, those you're with. Um, In my uh, family of origin, um, All Souls Day and All Saints Day are important um, traditions and um, quite a quiet tradition, just uh, an awareness. But um, my husband's Polish culture actually acknowledges um, All Saints Day, or Souls Day, sorry, in quite a big way with the visiting of graves, the tidying of graves, and, and paying respect uh, to people who've passed. And that got me thinking about a few things, including that I owe a lot to my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, who was um, regarded by many, including um, by our family, as a really amazing woman. She, um, She was the youngest of a number of kids, and so only went to primary school and she earned five cents when she worked. She worked worked in Sri Lanka as a weaver of chairs in Sri Lanka, as in many Asian countries, there's a lot of rattan furniture and she would weave chairs and she would get five cents per chair and she used that to send all three of her children, including my mother, to university. And I think it's remarkable that given her culture and period of history, that she thought this was so important and that she treated my mother um, or gave my mother the same opportunities as her sons. Um, And it is thanks to my mother's education um, that um, my mother and then parents were able to leave Sri Lanka to look 
for a different future. So I, um, I always get this question, where are you from? And people are very surprised when I say I'm from, well, I usually say I'm from Dunedin because this is where I've lived the longest of anywhere. And I just think Dunedin is the best place in the world. Um, this usually annoys the people who are after some a different answer and then when pressed I usually reveal that I was born in Zambia which is where my parents um, moved to but I I regularly think about how that move and my family's growing up outside of Sri Lanka and with numerous opportunities and my education and subsequent career would just not be possible without my maternal grandmother, um, who I owe a lot to. And so I always think of my grandmother on the 2nd of November. And thinking about that link or that um, history, I was thinking about how our generations, the the people who we come from, our ancestors, if you will, form us in lots of ways. I'll start by talking about intergenerational trauma, but as you can also hear, we are not only the collection of our trauma experiences, but we are also, we, we embody the hope and the, the aspirations of those who came before us as well. And we carry their strengths as well as we might have vulnerabilities. So I want to start by talking about intergenerational trauma, and it refers to the transmission, the passing on of trauma across generations. You might think of it as something of a ripple effect where experiences that uh, people have gone through, for example, being in the war, uh, wars, um, having experienced adversity, having experienced various forms of trauma, has affected not just the lives of the people at that time, but their descendants. It might be war, oppression, natural disasters, or various other forms of adversity. And these experiences leave a mark, a scar, on what we might say is the psychological makeup of entire communities, entire families. So I often talk about how when when people tell me the the history of their mother's pregnancy with them, their birth, I often reflect that it it seems to me like that wee child was was bathed in cortisol, the stress hormone, um, while they were in their mother's womb. Right. So even before they were born into the world, um. The child had experiences or uh, learned certain things about the world. Trauma 
passes um, through the generations in, in very many ways, from patterns that people learn um, based on modeling, for example, and observation, um, based on narratives that get passed, and then uh, attitudes, or altered brain structures. So people who survive might pass on their trauma to their children through their behaviors, um, their parenting style, and the very environment in which they raise their children. Or I, I would also say the environment they can access because it is very hard when you are in poverty to not, um, to, to break that cycle and to have different options available to you. So trauma can affect family dynamics, how family members communicate with each other and the world, and their coping mechanisms. So a, a coping mechanism I, I frequently notice in families is about the difficulty acknowledging, validating, and and even labeling emotional states. Um, people might talk about a family culture of sweeping things under the carpet or saying, she'll be right, or... Um, or in some way invalidating, minimizing, ignoring experiences. You may have heard about epigenetics. So this is the idea that certain genes can be switched on or off depending on what is present in the environment. We used to have a view that um, it was nature, or nurture, that genes were in some way destiny, um, you were born with a set of genes, and that um, made you vulnerable to certain things. For example, uh, your parents um, have um, depression, and so you are extremely vulnerable to depression, or you have, um, your parents had um, diabetes and uh, you are highly likely to. It turns out that it is not quite as simple as that. And while it is true that different issues may have different kind of um, biological um, underpinnings, what has become clearer is that it is a case of certain genes being influenced by the environment uh, that that organism is in. So trauma can leave marks on our genes and potentially affect subsequent generations. And some of the genes involved in stress and trauma are, are linked here. These inherited changes in gene expression then predispose descendants to stress-related disorders or altered responses to the stresses themselves. But... It is not um, doom and gloom. Even bringing light to the matter, I, I like to use the phrase, uh, bringing things out of darkness, bringing words, knowledge, compassion, um, a vocabulary, a willingness to change can break the cycle. 
So we can be the pattern interrupters in stories or experiences or patterns that have happened for several generations. Recognizing interpersonal trauma can be a really powerful and important step in the healing journey. By acknowledging the origins, individuals and families can work towards changing the cycle, breaking the cycle. Now, something that comes up for clients is that when we start talking about their parents, and um, usually it's their parents more than when we talk about generational trauma, um, but it, it can be generational too, people start saying, I don't want to blame my parents. I don't want to blame that generation. It was a different generation. I hear that uh, more times than not. And I would say, as I do say, that there is a, a real difference in acknowledging and validating an emotional experience than blaming. The risk when we invalidate our own experience or we we see somebody else's, um, we view somebody else and their and minimize their role is that we ignore our own needs and minimize the experiences that we, especially our younger selves, might have experienced. So validating our experience, seeing the pattern, I think is vital. Healing also extends to a community level. So acknowledging historical trauma, fostering this culturally sensitive environment is important. And that is about cultural identity, storytelling, language, rebuilding a sense of connection, um, belonging and resilience uh, within communities that have been affected by generational trauma. Um, I grew up in South Africa. Um, oh, I know, I've, I've just jumped from Zambia to South Africa. And um, in the parts where I grew up, I was really fortunate that at school, at one of the schools I went to, they brought in um, the chance for us to learn Xhosa, which is actually the language that I first started speaking and, and now can no longer. But... Um, but we were not allowed to speak closer in um, the school more generally, simply in our classrooms. And when a language is um, restricted, associated with stigma, regarded as second rate, this has huge implications for the development of the psyche, self-esteem, um, a sense of self, a sense of being able to communicate one's thoughts with ease and know that the external world um, values that input. So when we, when we see and respect, endorse and support the development of those languages, we're really helping communities and individuals within those communities heal. I also talk about how the context that trauma occurs in is important. So it is 
not simply the action that happened, for example, abuse, but the context in which it happens. For example, were were parents uh, validating or invalidating? Was it easy or hard to talk about what happened? Was there anybody interested? But there's also a broader context here, a cultural context. For example, a set of norms or beliefs that it is okay to hit children um, or that it is um, okay for women to be treated differently than men. Now, those kind of cultural narratives set the context and contribute to the beliefs that people have that get in the way of healing trauma. So talking about healing, dealing with intergenerational trauma um, brings us to talking about self-care, building resilience, building support and connection, for example, through therapy, support groups or ways you connect with others, your own self-reflection and helping that nervous system um, feel safe. Your nervous system may not have really felt safe. The, The nervous system that you carry from your ancestors may have been a nervous system that had to survive and you are the end product of that survival. But now perhaps there is the opportunity to do more than to survive and to actually thrive. So intergenerational trauma is a, a very complex phenomena. Generations far beyond those involved in an original traumatic event are connected. There is this line passing through you. I started talking about um, intergenerational strength, and I think this is where I I want to link back. So while it is true that there is intergenerational trauma, there is also intergenerational, um, there are intergenerational resources, strengths, um, assets, um, characteristics, connections. You may think back to uh, qualities of a a relative you know about and recognize some of those strengths in you. And having that connection through time builds a stronger sense of you as a person, you as a whole person here with with a presence through time and space. Okay, I'm going to stop here. Um, Head to bed. Uh, Well, check on the kids, head to bed. I hope you found that useful. I'm really interested to hear what you thought. Um, Whether you have any questions, it's often questions or conversations that I have uh, that prompt me into thinking what I'm going to be talking about. So I would love to hear from you. Uh, A reminder, talking about that resetting of the nervous system, that that I have a resource around five strategies I routinely teach 
and use to calm the nervous system. I will try to link it in the the show notes. Um, If I don't, I believe it is on my website, which is www.kamarivalentine.com. And talking about Halloween and resources, I guess our next big stop is Christmas. And I developed a course last year, a very short um, course, uh, four 15-minute sections um, talking about and helping you develop skills in a stressless Christmas. And of course, because it is me doing it, I talk about the internal family and the pre-work that goes into setting up boundaries, for example, with tricky people um, and how we fortify with rituals our ourself uh, going into the, the festive season and uh, interactions with others. Um, so I will tell you more about that soon. Um, hopefully I'll do a post on Facebook. I'm Dr. Kamari NZ on Facebook. But if you are interested in that, you're also welcome to send me a, a message on Facebook um, or through my website. Um, and I would love to um, I'd love to share those resources with you. Okie dokie. Okay, so take care. Um, I wish you healing and I look forward to talking soon.